over here we'll do in Simit Tov Lamazayin in Laws of Pesach of 437. Over here we're talking about Hamaskir Bayis Lechavedoi. One who rents out a house to his friend. So you have a house that you own. You're renting it to somebody else. And who is the one who's responsible to remove the chametz from the house? So you own it, you're renting it to somebody else. So he says like this. If you are renting him the house before the night of the 14th. The night of the 14th is unique because at that time you have to do the searching of the chametz. So if you rent him the house before the actual obligation to rent of the chametz begins, and the renter acquired it through one of the means through which a rental is takes hold, is acquired. So in other words, it was a real, okay, just you said I'm renting it is something else, doesn't help. Just saying I'm going to rent it doesn't work. But there has to be a certain... Kenyan, an acquisition, an act, whether it's giving over the keys, whether there's various different ways that you can actually acquire. So in other words, he became the renter before the night of the 14th. So that means by the time when one has to search for the chametz, the house is going to be owned already, rented, not owned, but rented to this person. There are three basic ways that you can acquire the property, that it should become your rental. It's either bekesef or bishtar, or bechazad bekesef or bishtar bechazoka. Either money transaction, you paid like a month's rent or you paid uh, something in advance, but money is has the power to make him the actual renter. Or you wrote a contract that he's renting it, you wrote on a lease or something like that. Or there's another way of chazoka. Chazoka means he physically went into the apartment and he sort of physically established himself as the owner who uh, took things around over there, you know, he acted like in a way of a uh, renter, like he's there now, he's taking care of it. There's one more way, it would be Kenyan Suder. Kenyan Suder means through a kerchief, you see sometimes they they have, like you raise a, a, a handkerchief and that's sort of considered a Kenyan of Chalipin, which is uh, you know, your commitment uh, to the uh, obligated is, is switched over by the, by the, uh, by the king. Those are the ways that, that, that the one is coined. What happens is, the one who's renting out the property, he leaves the house, but he closed up the house. So, you rented it to somebody else, you left the house, now, but the actual key, you didn't give him the key until after the fortnight of the 14th. So, doesn't matter that he's actually the renter, but as long as he doesn't have the key, the key is not in his possession, the rent, the one who's owning the part, the one who's the maskir, he is obligated to leave the Kisabais. He has to go search that house that he rented out. Why? 
even though he will not enter there all the days of the Pesach. Yeah, hello. I'm a, good morning, good morning. Okay, so now, uh, so he has to, even though he isn't going to enter there, so the one who owns the house, he isn't going to go into his house, Kol Yimei Pesach, all the days of the Pesach. He's not going to go there. So in other words, he's already out of there. And he's not going to mistakenly eat any chametz that's over there because he's not even going to be there. And certainly he's also not he's also not going to violate not to possess chametz should not be found in your possession. Because for sure he has given up any ownership to any of the chametz. He left the house. He's no longer there. He's out of the house and uh, he leaves the chametz there. He doesn't have in mind to own it anymore. He's just given up. He's given up on that chametz. Are you speaking about the renter? Or the no, owner? the owner. The owner. The renter doesn't have the key, so he cannot physically be there. If he got the key, then he's in charge. We'll see in a minute. But in this case, because he doesn't have the key, the owner is the one that has the key, even though technically he owns it, but it's the one who owns the house. It's his still, because the guy can't get in there. He doesn't have the key. So in this case, there's a little bit of different status because who owns the property? See, this would, it would be different if a renter were another renter. In this case, the property is owned by the owner. He owns the property. Uh, and the renter only owns it that he can live there. A renter is not a buyer. It's different with a buyer. A renter doesn't own the property itself. He only owns the right to be there. He owns the right to live in the property that belongs to the other person. And also the chomets that's in there belong to the owner. What happens when the time for, when the main obligation for getting rid of the chomets, which is on the night of the 14th, the house was still held back by the owner, the one who's renting it, because the guy can't move in, and you have the keys. The renter cannot get in there because you're still holding on to the keys. In those days, we're not talking about you made a copy, they both have keys, and nobody we're talking about. That he's the only one that has the keys, so technically the other one can't get in there. Therefore, when the entrance of the night begins, the obligation for checking is on the owner, the one who's renting out that apartment. And then it doesn't leave even if the uh, the renter goes inside. So let's say he moves in in the day after the 14th. So he says, oh, too bad, you're already responsible. I guess it's a job to go search for the chametz. You know, nobody wants the job. You know, it's either me or you. He doesn't want to do it. But he says, if you didn't give him the key at that time, since you got the responsibility, it stays with you. It's your responsibility now to go check that house. After you, the one who rents out, finishes checking, then you nullify, you give up your hope for any of the things you didn't find during your search. 
So even though you've already sort of, the fact that you left the house, and this would be, you could have left, let's say, a week before, two weeks before, whatever. Um, but So the fact that you left the house already, you've already so basically given everything up, but still you're obligated to nullify it again. You have to do it explicitly, express it verbally as the sages have articulated that you should uh, not just in your heart, but you should actually say the betel kol chamid of this special saying as we say, to give up any rights to the chamids. And also the renter is also, even though the searching is on the owner, but the one who rents the apartment also has to be mevatel, the chamids in the house. Why? Even if he's only going to go to live in there after Pesach, so he's not really going to be there, you still have to move Because as soon as you acquire the house through one of the means in which you can rent, the rental is acquired, you already automatically have owned, gained ownership to all the chametz that is there. So if you're renting a house, somebody leaves you chametz. So he's moving out of the house, but he leaves you, you know, boxes of cookies. But he has gone out of there. If by you renting the property, you automatically acquire everything that's left over there. It becomes yours. Now it's already your cookies. because you. So whether you're going to go in there or you're not going to go in there, uh, it's still yours because you rented it. When you rent a property, you rent everything that was left over is rented with it. Um, unless, you know, I mean, we talk about these kinds of things. A lot of times, you know, you have the landlord leaves appliances. It doesn't belong to the, uh, to the renter. Uh, it, what? It's, what? Then it's not yours. Then it's not yours. Right. But I'm saying, what we're talking about, if he leaves things around in the house, even though he gives up the hope, so you acquire it automatically. Because he has given up, so you, you acquire it. Anything which is ownerless, that is laying in a house that you're renting. The renter automatically gets it, owns it. You know, you own it. You're, it's your possession now, you own it. So the fact that he is the one who rented it, the owner is, is going to be battle doesn't help, it's your chametz. They said, uh, That's why he has to be battle today. Okay, we'll make it short today, a little bit over here, but just we'll continue learning, but what happens if you didn't give the keys? I mean, if you gave him the keys, then it's the other one. We'll see you next so one. What happens if you have two houses, like in the Cape, right. and you don't go there? Do you, you still got to go down there and clean it out? Oh, yeah. So, uh, the, yeah, you have to clean it out. Or you can sell it to a guy. If you sell it, then you don't have to do anything. Sell the whole entire house. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You sell the house for the guy, and then you don't have to do anything with it. It's like no street cafe. But what happens if you want to go in there during Pesach? You can't. No. Then you got to go clean it. You can't be there. Yeah. All right. So, but the interesting thing is, you know, a lot of times, you know, we encourage people to sell the chametz and to sell their houses, sell the rooms. And then we know that they're, you know, maybe they're not going to keep the laws so much. 
And even if they're sold it, they're going to go in there. So you can say, oh, so what's the point in selling it? They're not really selling it because they're going in there. But then you're going into somebody else's property. It's like trespassing. <laughs> if you sold it, you have no right to go there. And if you do go there, I mean, that's your problem. You're trespassing, but you're not violating the Chomets. I mean, at least it's better. I mean, we're not saying so clearly. I mean, the Rebbe writes about this. The Rebbe says we should make an effort to sell everybody's Chomets. And even if they're going to violate, okay, you know, according to some, not, it's not so clear. The Rebbe goes through the reasonings over there, but he says, mostly you're going to be entering somebody else's property unlo- un- un- unlawfully. You know, you're not allowed to go in there because you sold it, but if you don't, so that's why, because the sale, um, even though some people think it's, it's a joke, it's not a joke, according, especially according to um, the way the Alter Rebbe writes it and he established I mean, this law was challenged, you know, a great deal of, of halachic uh, uh, insight was, was given into this because some people thought that this whole sale is just like a, a joke. It's not really, uh, it's not real because it didn't, it, it didn't feel like it's, a, it's, it's not like a usual sale. Uh, that we take place, that. and you don't think about. It. So and people think, and so some people actually don't sell actual chametz. They'll only sell like questionable things or things that are not really chametz chametz. But in Chabad, we sell real chametz as well. Actual chametz we sell because the sale is a real sale. Like we said, once it's valid, and it also, you know, like one of the debates was. Some there's a whole lot of debates. One of the debates was. Well, there's no taxes on this sale. There's no sales tax. So there's no, if you're really selling it, there's so many other legal, does it have, in other words, is the sale a valid, a, a valid sale according to the laws of the country that you're, or you're in? Is it really a valid sale? Can you technically, can the goy technically say, I'm not giving it back to you? No, it's in the contract when you buy it. No, but the problem is, the, if, if he says he doesn't want to pay for it, if he, if he says he doesn't want to give it back, then he has to pay a whole lot of money. That's put into the contract. The guy has the guy has an incentive to sell it back because okay, you want all the chametz. It could be you go go have get the chametz. But if you're going to get the chametz, you're going to have to pay for all the money that it costs the chametz. Isn't the same thing with Milk Street Cafe? They sell it for probably to the employees. To the employees, okay. Rabbi Miller goes. Right now, we're up to in the laws of Pesach in the uh, section. 437. We're doing subsection 2. Um, before we were talking about what happens if you didn't give the other person the keys in time before um, before the, the obligation of searching of the chametz. If you gave him the key uh, before the 14th came in. The, 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 the the 14th is when you got to be uh, searching for the chametz on the 14th. So at that time, the transition, when the beginning of the 14th comes in, you have already given him the key before the night of the 14th. The renter is given the owner? The owner is given the renter, oh. the other way around. So, Now it doesn't matter. Even if, let's say, the renter, he gave him the key, he says it's yours, but the renter isn't ready quite to move in. So he says to the owner, hold on to the key. Now, also, it seems pretty um, um, that, you know, people did not 
have many keys. They had like one key to one to one. They didn't. There was no copies. I mean, I don't know what kind of keys. The keys were made out of wood or something, or maybe other. And they had like big, big teeth in it. Or I'm not sure exactly how they did it, but there was no. So there was one key there. So, so only one person had the key. So since the renter wasn't ready to move in, uh, he says to the uh, owner, "Hold on to the key for me." He gave him the key, but he says, "Well, hold the key for me till." Till I'm ready to, to come in. And so even if he went back and he gave him the key, but it's his obligation still. So he's, he's obligated, he's obligated, it's his obligation to take it from the uh, owner and to go search. Once you got the key, it's your place, so it's your responsibility. And therefore, even if you gave it back to him to hold the key for you, uh, you can't say that it's his responsibility. It's yours. You go take the go get the key, and you have to go doing the searching of the chametz. Even if he isn't interested in moving in till after Pesach, he isn't interested. He still, he has to go search it. Why? Because it's not the owner who's holding back the renter going. He says, as far as he's concerned, he gave him the key. You can go into the house, so he's not holding him back. He already gave him the key. Same thing would be true if there is no key. Like it's an unlocked house, you know. So they don't lock it, whatever. It's going to be the renter's responsibility to go ahead and search it. After the search, so he needs to give up make it ownerless, as the Chomets stood it, but also the renter, the owner, should also explicitly be even though he's already in his heart, by by giving it over to him, he should still do that. This, I don't know, I'm not sure exactly, this needs to be explained. Why? I mean, previously we learned that the reason why the mask, because it's his, it's his obligation, but in this case, the chametz is not his uh, anymore. I mean, I'm not sure why in this case, because the other one, technically, the transition was made, and it's the other one's responsibility. Um, and we were talking about yesterday, we were talking about today before, uh, as a house in the Cape, like, for example, right? And... Um, so if you were, if you were not going to, um, if you were not going to go there a whole, uh, whole Pesach, so then you could just sell the whole house and say forget about it. Then you don't have to worry about anything. But if you are going to go there during Pesach, so now you're not selling the whole house because you're going to be using it now, and you can't really just sell uh, the chametz. You have to sell. You have to sell the place. You know where you have to have a designated place. So like over here, once you own the place, uh, then you'd have to go and search for the chametz over there, because if you own the place, then it's your responsibility to go ahead and search for the chametz. Um, the other interesting question would be, what happens if you change tenants during the Pesach? Like, let's say you have a, a rental, like you rent out the, you know, by the day or something. So let's say you rent to somebody for the beginning of Pesach, and they're only they're going to be there for. So it turns out when it's going to be the obligation 
of searching, it's going to be rented out, and the other person's responsibility, not yours. Um, now, of course, we also have to make sure that none of the chomets that is in there is really uh, yours, uh, uh, which means if you have uh, something in there and uh, you know the, the, the renter is not supposed to touch it, so I mean, that's another question. I mean, what happens if I leave uh, a box of cookies in the in the place over there, and you know? But it doesn't mean, even though you rent the place, you're not renting the box of cookies in there and uh, you're not allowed to use that. I mean, that would also depend. And then, sometimes the renter is a goy. So, you don't have to search the chomets because it's going to be in the goy's possession. But what happens, he's only renting it for four days. Then in the middle of Pesach, you're going to get it back. It's going to go back to the Jew's ownership. Now, and if there is... Uh, so, certainly, if he didn't have a right to all those food over there, it's not, it doesn't, didn't become the goy's. Uh, that point. So, I mean, it gets a little bit more complicated. You have to make sure to actually remove, and anything that you, if you're going to go there, you would, would need to put it away in some sort of a corner and sell that cabinet or whatever it is to the goy, and then you'd also have to check for the chametz, and, you know, it's it's like any other property that you have. Um, the only thing that I'm thinking of is um, before we learned, if you're like 30 days before the yontif, Let's say the person has not visited that place since 30 days before Yontif. So with here, we had two opinions. It would be a little bit more lenient to double-check again. We just learned it. But um, if, if before 30 days, like if you have a, a place like you're a vacation house, and before 30 days you left it, and then you're not going to go there during Pesach, uh, over there you may not have to go ahead and search it. Uh, you hear Alan? If you didn't go, did you have you been there before 30 days? If you've not been there before 30 days, that could be a leniency on the part of not having to go and search the chomets over there, but provided that you know that there's A, there is definitely not chomets over there, like open chomets, avade chomets. And I have to take a look again what we learned before. But there is a leniency by not being there before 30 days, because within 30 days, the obligation of checking is upon you already. Then. But if you leave, now, it's kind of a little bit, you know, I mean, if, if you have a vacation house in Switzerland or something, you know, that would be a little bit more uh, a leniency. But at the Cape, and you're here, which is just about, uh, it's only an hour away or whatever, it's a little bit more difficult to give you any dispensation over here. Because, you know, well, hop, on, hop into your car, get onto the boat, and get over to Martha's Vineyard, you know. <laughs> it's not as easy, what I'm saying. I mean, usually when we talk about a person leaves the home, we're talking about going on a caravan with a caravan going overseas or, you know, really leaving the house or leaving his vacation home. But yet, on the other hand, we can also understand there might be a leniency. Again, you have to look this up in the, in the commentaries because this is a unique case. Or maybe today it's not so unique, but uh, in the old days it would be a more unique case. People barely had one home. They didn't have no two homes or other things to deal with, you know. So uh, no, what I'm saying is there could be another logical difference because one can say it's not a place that I'm there all the time and I don't use it all the time. And maybe it's not something that would really be, you know, my home. But, you know, I mean, there's things that, you know, have to be looked in further. It's not so simple. 
a Jew and a non-Jew share a, a house. Uh, the non-Jew is the owner, and the uh, Jew is a renter. And I mean, what can the Jewish person do if the owner still has, you know, bread around? Or they would you just mean like sign sharing an apartment. A house, you know, like they're sharing the house where they live together. No, like if there's a two-family house and a Jew owns no, one. No, it's a one-family house. Oh, two boarders. Okay. Yeah, like two single. They're sharing an apartment. Share an apartment, like they they share the the food in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. Something you have, and it's, or you have like you saying like a Jew or non-Jew or two Jews. One doesn't care about Pesach, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the other one cares about Pesach. He actually just asked me such a question. So, anything that you have a partnership in. That is partially yours. You got to get rid of the fact that there's another partner there doesn't take away from your part of it. But what if the partner wants to keep the chutz? So you can give it away to him. So you give him, we'll give it to him, and let him. If it's a goy, let him tell him it's yours and it's his, and that's it. Uh-huh. That, that's better than even. Uh, the, the, yeah. But then you get into a problem not just from uh, from where you live, but what about in your business? Yeah. People that are engaged in selling. Like, and they sell to non-Jews and Jews. Oh, so the other question was over here, yeah, like, okay, so one second, but the other question was, let's say you have a practice and you have, you know, workers that are non-Jewish, and they bring their sandwiches to the, yeah, they bring their sandwiches, and not only they bring their sandwiches, they put it into the refrigerator, so it's not your problem, it's their problem, you know, I mean, so it's their chametz, their, if they want to use the refrigerator... You don't own their, their, their bread. I mean, you own the refrigerator, but the refrigerator is not chametz. I mean, the chametz is the bread, and if they want to eat bread, it's their business. Um, if it's a situation, we do have a lot of halachas, like if there's a situation that you might come to eat from them, like eating on one table, or sometimes you share, like, oh, sometimes, you know, you have a picnic, and you put it out on the table, and, you know, you help yourself, uh, you know, or do something. So there is a lot of restrictions in the halacha, that there's a whole the discussion about that, where and what you can do together with somebody that is eating chametz. But in a case where a person wants to just use their own chametz and they just want to put it in the refrigerator and it's their thing, so that's not your responsibility. Uh, the other thing is if they do sell, uh, businesses sell uh, chametz, like a supermarket, if it's, a Jew has a partnership over there, he has to sell his... His portion, his portion of his partnership. Like you're saying, you know, if they sell chametz, like he had, the Jew has to sell his part of the business. Perhaps when you sell your chametz, you're also selling your portion in the, in the business too. I mean, so you have to sell the business, yeah. Yeah. That's another, yeah. That's a whole other issue. Yeah. Okay, these are things that are get a little bit more, uh, a little more complex. Okay, let's go further. Steve Gimel. Um, he says, um, now we're 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 discussing this whole issue is we call This is all well, the discussion is We're talking about a situation where the renter took possession by doing one of the means in which you can rent when he gives it a validity, the rental, before the night of the 14 comes in, uh, which is the time of the main searching of the, uh, the obligation for searching. But if you, he did not actually become the renter he didn't take possession, he didn't do the kitchen until after the night 
came in already. Or even if you did make the Kenyan at night time, you rent it starting from the day. So it doesn't make a difference. You, make, you may make the acquisition now, but you're not going to use it now. Your rental begins 6 a.m. Uh, at night time, it's not yours yet. So in that case, which means starting from the 14th and on, you are permitted to go into the house and live there until the time of the of the rental, but you can't go in at night time. You have to wait till the next day. That's when your rental begins. The nimtza, you know, check-in is at 6 a.m., you know. nimtza, Turns out that on the night of the 14th, which is, that is the main time that one is obligated to search for the chametz, he hadn't owned yet. The renter wasn't yet in that property. Therefore, it's on the owner the obligation to check it. It's the maskir who has to check it. But this rules the Allah Dalit, the, the Siv Dalit, the subsection 4, he says, because of a maskir, we're talking here all this about a renter. But one who sells a house to his friend, and he went out of the house, he closes it up, and the purchaser bought it through one of the ways, we learned before, uh, one of the ways that you can acquire a house, own it, before the night of the 14th, even if the key hasn't been given to him until after the night of the 14th, Yet still, the seller does not, never rested upon him the obligation to search. Since the actual home has been acquired to the buyer, he is the one that owns the house now. He has to search and battle. And the seller, the seller, sufficient just to be battle, he doesn't have to go ahead and search for the chametz, it's not yours anymore, it's the other person. Are you only allowed to search for the chametz on the 14th, or can you do it like a week before, too, to see what's there? Very good question. So, the question is what the, what the needs are, I mean, depending on what the needs are. So, if you're leaving, let's say, you're not going to be around, then you can do it the night, the, the, it should be done at night, but it could be at night. A uh, night before, two nights before, three nights before, yes, you can do it. You can search the little chomets before. But provided again. So to begin with, one needs to search it at the, the right time, on the night of the 14th. But in situations, sometimes everybody will search it at a time earlier. Sometimes when uh, Shabbos comes out uh, uh, on the 14th, Pesach will be Saturday night. The first night will be Pesach, will be Saturday night then you can't search the chametz because Friday night you can't search chametz. So you're gonna, everybody's going to move it up one day. It's going to Thursday night. You know, it happens rarely, but it happens sometimes. Uh, that's kind of a setup. Though we're doing a Thursday night in reality this year. Yeah, but that's the right time. Thanks, Rosie. Yeah. Yeah. The right time. But sometimes you'll do it Thursday. Thursday. But, uh, yeah, but sometimes, yeah, that's when uh, Purim will be on Friday then. Next Purim. Oh, when Purim no, when, when, when Purim is on Friday, yeah. When Purim is on Friday, which is also very uh, rare. Yeah. When Purim is on Friday, then Pesach will be on uh, 
on the Sunday. Yeah. The book of Brother. Yeah. Well, we did that one year. Yeah, yeah. It becomes a little more complex. Um, okay, so let's. Um, so, if he rents the house during the on the 14th of the day of the or middle of the night of the 14th, there was already enough time for the renter to have checked it. You know, the, in other words, the obligation is for the owner to 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 check it. But he is not sure though if he did what he's supposed to do or not. He wasn't no. He's not sure whether he checked it out or not. If the owner or his wife or his family members are in the city, you should check them if they check. You ask them if they if they inspected if they checked the house. Even though it is the, the the custom of the proper people that are doing the right thing to check in the beginning of the night of Yidal, and every person, Jewish person, assumed that he's a kosher, that he's a proper person, so he must have done it. We should assume, but still you should ask. You still have to obligate it to ask. You can't just assume that it was done properly. Because the house was assumed to have chomets because it was used the whole Whole year, and you want to use this assumption that probably it was checked. You try to take it out from the uh, established chometz. That's not sufficient. We don't rely on that chazaka that people mostly do the right thing in a place where you can find out. So, in other words. Over here, you're not sure, do I have to go search or not? You, so we say, even though normally we assume that the person did the right thing, and we can rely on that, we don't have to worry about it, uh, but in a case of like this, where there was established chametz, and you can go ahead and find out, go check, don't, don't rely on it. But if the owner or one of the family members is not in the city, there's nobody to ask, then we rely on the chazoka, but you don't have to check, but you just nullify the chametz. That is sufficient. If there's family people members in the city, even though we know that the owner himself didn't check, one of the family members says that he did check. Whether and even if he may be like a, a slave, a minor, she is bedas you can check, or Isha, a woman, so in other words, you don't need a testimony over here, we trust the person that says it, we don't have to go check again, since it's from the rabbis, the rabbis believe them, one more sif, over here, that only applies if the renter has nullified all the Chometz that are there. Avodim leib bittel for a gish or shish, but if it was mavatel and already the six thousand arrived, sheni yochel mavatel and lisma chabudikas nashim vod muktalim cannot rely on the checking of 
women, slaves, and minors. I mean, today we know the women check and clean for pace a hundred times more than the men. You know, I mean, the, but um, I guess over here, um, the um, when you have to rely on the Torah, uh, it doesn't rely on them. And you have to go ahead and search in all the rooms that Dikim and Atelier. Now, we're going to see in one minute, you're going to qualify this. But just to say this, there always makes a difference. Why am I searching for the Chomets? Am I only searching from the rabbis? Or am I searching from the Torah? So the difference is, if you're Mavatl the Chomets, if you give up, then you're only searching for the rabbis, because being Mavatl is sufficient to get rid of the Torah from the Chomets. Only the rabbis want you to continue really getting rid of it. But if you can't be Mavatl, because it's after the sixth hour, which Bittle doesn't help anymore, you can't do it anymore, then the obligation is to the Torah, so then we can't rely. So he says, Even though women are believed on all prohibition of the Torah, you go into somebody to a kitchen, and the woman tells you it's kosher, you eat it, you don't have to check it, right? Kosher, if they can fix the Easter. As for example, woman can say that she went to the mikveh and the husband trusts her. Because she has the opportunity to immerse herself. She can testify that it was uh, slaughtered by Lanikur, that the vein was taken out. That she slaughtered it. The woman can shecht also. It's kosher the shecht. And that she removed the veins or the chalev, uh, the fat, which is prohibited, we trust it. Because she has the opportunity, because she can do it. Things that she can do, we believe her that she's done it. She's still not believed to say that she checked it, like the laws of the Vedika, even though she could have checked it, Kalocha, the fee Shabdika Kilchosi Yeshba Tedach Kodu. I don't know, and I don't like what it says here, but that's what it says. It says checking according to the law. By don't get angry at the Alter Rebbe, this is the Halacha, everybody. So, <laughs> it says checking uh, like the Halacha is a great trouble. But Noshim Atzloni Yisheim. Well, pretty sure that he says they. Um, they're lazy. We're worried that they may have not. They check a little bit. They'll say, well, we checked well. The Chom did not believe them. Only we need to check by the words of the rabbis. Which the reality, I think, I mean, by today, the, women, the, the men say it's okay, and the women are still scrubbing and, 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 and scratching over here. But okay. But that's the halacha over here. That's the halacha. No, just the opposite. Uh, no, the chacham believe them. Actually, the chachamim believe the chachamim believe them if it's only from the rabbinic. No, I'm using it. No, if the obligation to search is from the rabbis because of the chametz, the chachamim trusted them. But where the obligation is, a Torah obligation is, um, perhaps, I mean, what, 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 what the, the logic is, you know, uh, what the Torah says, you know, is based upon, you know, the Torah's uh, decision, 
what Hashem decided for the um, you know what the reality is uh, what 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 the reality is then and today for Torah obligation. But when the rabbis came in, they came in with the practical. So when it's when it was a practical obligation from the rabbis, they saw what the reality is. According to their ruling, they said that they were okay. That didn't matter. That you know, people have issues. By the way, from the same thing is, and uh, just as we're learning this already, uh, people have issues with women checking the air of two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's an issue with that because it would fall under the same thing. But here we're talking about it's rabbinic. You know, it's rabbinic because it's only a common thing. But there is issues about that. Um, there was like in, in the standard in the industry, like in the kashrut industry, most of the time they used to get, use only male mashgichim. They didn't use, but in most kashrus today, uh, they use women as mashgichos too. They don't only use that. I mean, you can look it up on the internet. You'll see in most of the in most of them, right? Not saying. Not, yeah. There is, there is, uh, actually over here, I think, in the butcher over here, one of the, yeah, there's one there, yeah. So I'm saying, but I'm not saying, not, not everybody will use them, but the standard in the industry now, in most of the, in the main kashrus that we use, like the OK, the OU, and I'm not sure, I shouldn't say without looking up, I don't know, but I think that some of the major, uh, Kashus will use a mashgicha, they call it. No, no, no. Not a mashgicha, it's a mashgicha to, uh, to verify. Okay, there's one more sif, so let's finish this already. That'll be done with the simon. Sif Zayin, Hamaskin Bais Lechavere Becheskes Bodur. One who rents a house, he says, Look, I'm not going to go start searching my chavas, I'm renting the house, but you checked it out. I want to make sure you're. I'm not, I don't want to start cleaning the house now, I'm renting the house for you for Pesach, but it's supposed to be Bodur. He makes a condition that it is checked out. You know, that would be what happens. You know, you're going to you're going into a hotel, right? You're going to a hotel room, right? Now, maybe Muhammad, you have to start uh, searching the Muhammad. You're going to a hotel for a whole pesach. You have to start searching your uh, you know, you know you're, it's like when you go into it, you better be the room better be clean. There should be no crumbs. There should be nothing over there. I mean, that's the expectation. But here he says, talking to the person. You have to make a condition with him and tell him it's the condition is that it's uh, checked. Comes into the house, the nimzo, Turns out, no, he didn't check his, didn't check it. And he rented it on the 14th. So it turns out the guy told him that it's checked. And now he's in a house that is not checked in Muhammad. The owner was already obligated to check it because on the 14th it was his. He was supposed to check it. The maskir says, no, I don't care about the mitzvah. I'm not searching the chametz. You know, it's, I'm not, I don't care about it. Or he left. He's not here. The renter will have no choice. He'll have to go check. He tricked him, but he'll have to check it. Oh, now he says, okay, listen, in that case, I, no deal. And deal, I, you told me you're going to check this, then now I want, I don't want to, you can't, can't go renege, can't go rent, re, renege on the deal. That it was a mistaken deal, because I, I rented it, that it's going to be checked, it, uh, checked, and now it turns out that it's not checked. 
even if it is a place that people don't search each one in the house, they don't do themselves. They hire people, check my house for me. They hire, they pay people. So it turns out now that you didn't check it, I'm going to have to go pay money to somebody else to go check it now because you didn't check it. He has now a loss of money, the renter, because he needs to go find somebody to go ahead and check him in the house now. You still can't retract. You still can't say it's a mistake. Why? Because we say for sure you had in mind when you did the deal that even if it's not searched, the deal should still be. But wait a minute. He made a deal with him. He told him in the beginning. He says only if it's searched. Because the assumption is he says, really, a person wants to do a mitzvah, even if it costs you money or it's uh, physically. That we, we assume now we don't we don't say now you don't really want to. We say something else. We're saying the reason you're retracting now, you have another reason. You want to get out of the deal. You're just using that as an excuse for getting out of the deal. You rented it. You gotta. It's yours. And now you're saying, well, it's not checked. That's you're just using it because you found a cheaper place or you found a, somebody else across the street. There's more sunshine over there. You want to go there? Ah, oh, you can't do that. That's what the assumption is. That's... Others say no, that the renter, the owner, has to get, pay him back the money that he's going to have to expend for checking the house. He told him that you're going to be searched. So if I'm going to have to spend money, you're going to have to pay for it. You're going to have to pay, you know, the total of the owner's expense. You know, you'll have to, I'll have it searched, but you're going to have to pay for it. So even though you wanted to keep the deal, even if it's not going to be checked, but you didn't have, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't have in mind, to forgive the money that I'm going to have to pay for searching it. This that we say that a person is going to do a mitzvah, a person who wants to do a mitzvah physically with his body or with his money, in a place where there is no loss of money, you know, you're not spending any money. Like, if you, let's say, you have a talus in the shore. You can assume... And another guy comes in, he sees a talus over there. Are you allowed to take the talus to use it? Maybe the guy, maybe the guy is going to be upset using his talus. You're stealing his talus. Somebody keeps his talus in the shul. The assumption is that a person is okay. Let somebody else do a mitzvah with my money. What do I get? My talus. He wants to do a mitzvah. The assumption is you can go and take somebody else's talus and assume that the person doesn't care about it. Okay? Same thing is with his tefillin. I mean, if you know the person doesn't want anybody, or if he has a sign, please do not touch, or something like that, then you're not allowed to touch it. But the assumption is, what did the person get? But that only applies, he can do use my talus, but he's not losing any money of it. But it's going to cost me money. If you're going to use my talus, and then you're going to rip it, and I'm going to have to give it to the cleaners after you use it, if you're going to make it dirty... 
or something like that, you're not going to say, oh, okay, well, you want me to do a mitzvah with my talis. Not for you to make it dirty, and then I'm going to have to spend money later on to clean it. That we don't say. So in this case, yeah, okay, I'll do a mitzvah, fine. But I'm not going to, you, you, I'm going to have to hire somebody to go check the house now. It's going to cost me money. No, that, you know, don't say that. That's another opinion. So there's two opinions about it. So what is the rule? So what happens? Who has to pay? halacha. So what is the halacha? So we have two opinions. One opinion says, you know what? You bought it, you want it anyways, it's yours. And you pay for it. The other one says, no, no, the owners pay. Interesting halacha. Always we, this is halacha we use. There's various considerations. But this is one of the laws we use usually. The one who holds on can say, I hold like the first opinion. Which means, um, I don't understand it. The muxik is, did he give him the money yet? It's basically it. Basically, the second opinion says uh, that he has to pay for it, right? But what happens, but in this case, so what, what's happening here? The owner, right? The owner, who, who wants money? The renter wants money from the owner. Why? Because the renter had to go pay, let's say he had to pay $50 to get somebody to search for the chomets. So the renter goes back to the owner and he says, give me $50. So the law is interesting law. The law, we say this a lot of times. Who, who is holding on to the $50 now? The owner. You want to take it out of him. Yeah. So you have to bring the evidence. The one who's holding on says, look, I go by the first opinion. First opinion says, I don't have to pay for it. You are saying, you go by the second opinion. I don't go by the second. I go by the first opinion. And since I'm holding on to the money, you ha- it's the evidence is upon you, which means usually we say, If you're going to take out money from me, you have to the evidence. Whoever is holding on to the money, whoever is holding on, if you're coming to take it from me, the burden of proof is always going to be on the one that is coming to take it out from the other opinion, so from the other person. So since in this case we have two opinions, so the, the owner can say, I go by the first opinion that says I don't have to pay anything. And there's nothing you can do about it, is why. Well, you say, well, the second opinion says, well, all right. Uh, who says we don't go by the second? I go by the first opinion. <laughs> you can't always say it. So one, the one who has the money in his hands, he's the one that gets to, to keep it. Uh-huh.